Welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I am joined by the snare campaign provocateur, the king of the gobble ghoul himself. That, that that's always a good backup. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? Oh, king of the gobble ghoul. I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, if anybody grows up in Central Jersey, you're a little Italian by proxy. So, you know, I actually know what you're talking about when you say Gabagool, <laughs> which is maybe puts me a, a step ahead. You know what I realized the other day, if we're going straight to like Sopranos land. Yeah. Is that Anthony Volpe, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the pride and joy of the the 64 win New York Yankees, uh, you know, who I went to a game last Sunday and guess who bought official Yankees apparel for the first time in Mm. since CC Sabathia and guess who it was for Anthony Volpe, Anthony Volpe. Mm. I now have a Volpe number 11 that I'm proudly rocking. So to the, and then I'm thinking, I'm like, wait a minute, Anthony, Tony from New Jersey, (laughs) Tony Volpe. There's a Tony from New Jersey about to save the Yankees. <laughs> Don't you see what's happening here? This oh, is like man. the perfect narrative. That you couldn't make it better. That Tony from New Jersey is coming to play shortstop for the next 15 years and save the <laughs> Hopefully. Yankees. Hopefully. Come on. Was the last piece of merchandise for a New York team you bought a KD jersey for your son? <laughs> that is oh, uh, no. oh. that is accurate that is accurate that is accurate until this last yankees game he wanted a uh babe ruth mm, yeah so i got i got him a babe ruth oh, i got myself solid. an anthony volpe but uh yeah i do think <laughs> i think you're right i think that's the first official gear i've bought since wow. since the kd jersey well, rest in peace how do you do it this way uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god okay <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for Anthony Volpe to be a Diamondback in five years. All right. Mm. <laughs> oh, don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, well, speaking of a segment that we have to do each and every week, we got have to. to. It's have part of the to. bylaws. It's have this day to. music history. <laughs> Getting right into it. No funny business this no, week. Oh, come on. Yeah. Pop me in. I got a nice feel good one today that made me feel good. In, on this day in 1957, a young Jimi Hendrix catches Elvis Presley's performance at Seattle's Sixth Stadium. The thing that stood out to me for this is like one thing I love. I don't know if you can tell by like the sappy handwritten video and stuff that I made is that I I love like that generational thing that happens with music and art, and I love when like one influences another who influences another and like i think there's a lot of people my age who could sit back and listen to elvis and go like yeah like what did he do that has anything to do with what i do you know it it doesn't even seem like it makes sense but then when you start understanding the history and the bridges and the fact that like a young Jimi hendrix just saw this and that helped and that sparked something and that turned Jimmy into kind of who he was, who definitely had a huge influence on me and the music I love. So it's kind of a little bit of a, a window into, you know, before you discard your elders, like do your homework, you know, find out what happened. And uh, you can see that the lineage, no one just invents shit out of thin air, man, <laughs> you know, and, and everybody, everybody bit from someone was inspired by someone. And, you know, 
as much as people want to think they're totally and wholly unique, they are not. The other thing this made me think was, what the fuck is Six Stadium? Which I'd never heard of. It was torn down in 1979, and it was originally built in 1938 for the Seattle Rainiers of the Pacific Coast League. Great documentary on them. Yeah, they played there the baseball. Played there for over 30 years, along with the Seattle Steelheads of the Negro Leagues, the Seattle Pilots of the MLB for one season, mm. and then the Washington Huskies pre-Pack 8 in the in the early 70s. So Six Stadium had a nice little run, taken down in 1979. Big ups to Seattle. I love all of those old stadiums because you know, it's especially here in town when you're driving along 78 and you're like, Roberto Clemente played here? Like, what the <laughs> right. fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you start to actually go, yeah, you go to these weird neighborhoods out in, like, Weehawken, you know? And you're like, wait, what? Joe DiMaggio? Like, yeah, yeah, I know. It's true. It's true. <laughs> and then so, you go to other parts of New Jersey and you're like, Mickey Mantle did what here? Right. And it has nothing to do with baseball. And then you go to Seattle and, you know, their history is the Pacific Coast League. Yeah. For, you know, between the 30s, 40s, and 50s. <laughs> so it's interesting stuff. Seattle, Portland, because it, it was Portland that was the bastard of baseball because that was, uh, oh my gosh, backdraft actor. Now well, Kurt Russell? Kurt, Kurt Russell's dad owned the owned the Portland team. Is that right? The Portland yeah. Pacific Coast League yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no and, way. Which is now the stadium where the Portland Timbers in MLS play. So wow. look at this. Taking you down <laughs> tune up, taking you down uh history lane today. But Bastards of Baseball, great documentary on Netflix if you get a chance to watch it. Um you see a lot of chicanery that Major League Baseball uh has 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 done in their time but uh all right benny on this day in 2011 billy joe armstrong was thrown off a southwest flight because the singer was quote wearing his pants too low a flight attendant had approached armstrong and told him pull your pants up or get off the plane later southwest spokesman released a statement saying that green that the green day star and the airline had quote settled their differences so oh, i this love day that. In 2011 billy joe armstrong 2011 s- singer green day riding southwest how we feel about this I, what Love else it? is he supposed to ride? Just cut like Delta private Delta. You think green? I, I mean, I don't know about <laughs> I, I don't know about that. You go Southwest Delta United. It's like oh, a pile of shit versus a pile of diarrhea <laughs> versus true. like that's true. especially fucking, now. Yeah, it's all terrible. So the one thing that surprises me about this is like I know the look, right? Just Billy Joe's a proper punk. He probably had like this super tight jean thing going on where it's like hanging off your ass and then had that like cock to the side, like bullet belt kind of thing going on. Like, I know the look he was going for. I'm surprised he was still going for that in 2011. Yeah. Because he's already like world famous by then. So that's where I'm like, uh, I'm surprised that he was still rocking that style. I can't imagine what other style did it. But also I'm wondering like, there must have been a lot of ass. Yeah, a lot. Prompt this response. So maybe he did it on purpose. Maybe he was just like fucking with him and it went too far or something. You know, you know what sucks about though? If you do that with sweatpants, you get a pass. But if you do it with jeans, it's like <laughs> it's like people give you shit. Oh no, dude. It's like fifty <laughs> percent of it. People used to wear like top hats and ties to go to <laughs> yeah. the and now, now it looks like everyone's going to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy. 
All right. Well, there's no good transition here because there's nothing about going to sleep, but we are going to get to uh, kind of the business side of music as we like to do here. Our first story today, Ariana Grande has allegedly parted ways with her manager, Scooter Braun, and his HYB Entertainment Company, uh, despite claims that coming out of Braun's camp that he's, quote, trying to step away from music. So there's a lot to unpack here, Benny, but uh, it seems like Scooter Braun, who famously is the guy who bought Taylor Swift's uh, masters, tried to sell them for his own profit, which it seems like he has seemed to done. Uh, he's he's known for helping launch a career of Justin Bieber, introducing a YouTube star to Usher. And then that's how the whole Justin Bieber thing. He's he's acquired a talent base that has Justin Bieber, Ariana Grande, Demi Lovato, Jay Balvin, Adina Menzel, a lot of pop stars, a lot of uh, uh, pseudo hip hop stars from a different areas. But, you know, with with all of this uh, coming out and uh, more expected to come out of him losing clients, uh, especially after a 2021 sale where he sold his management company to a South Korean K-pop entertainment company for a little north of one billion dollars. So this guy has made his money. Do you buy the fact that he's trying to get out of the management business? Or do you think that people are like, oh, wow, this guy's suing Justin Bieber for not working. He's buying Taylor Swift's masters and then selling them on for his own profit. Is this a matter of, oh, this guy sucks and I want to get away from him? Or is Scooter Braun just cashing out? Uh, it sounds like cashing out to me, honestly. Yeah. Like the way that's the, the way it's going down and the way that people are making statements like, yes, we're separating ways from Scooter Braun and it's amicable and stuff like that. The one piece of insider information I can give here is normally uh, in the music industry, managers don't work under contracts. Um, So, you know, yes, they have a legal right to be paid, you know, on the things they worked on. And, and, you know, as far as what the cash out of that is, or if you have to pay some of it out in perpetuity, I don't know what like the details are, but most artists are in a position where they could wake up any morning and say, okay, I'm going to fire my manager. Yeah. And there's no legal implication. The only legal implication to it is that you have to make sure you're paying someone on the work they did and the trail off of that work. Sometimes it's called a sunset clause. So like in that regard, it is easy to get rid of. And in this one, it sounds like, you know, this guy is a money man to begin with. It was always a money man. Where is the money? And, you know, sure, ran into a lot of drama in the music industry. It is a very, very rich person and is finding a different way to make a lot of money, probably more behind the scenes. Because between him and Ryan, anybody named Braun is (laughs) is having a tough go because one is just a total prick. (laughs) One's a steroid guy, you know, which one? Well, maybe both. both. I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt his scooter shot something into his abs. Yeah, Bezos looked good in Cabo. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? In the rich people world, yeah, they probably give injections on private planes, like it's it's a service, like a warm towel. You know, that's why. That's why. uh, oh my God! The guy that we were just talking about had his pants all the way down. He was ready for the rich guy. Billy Joe. Billy Joe. Yeah. 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 Uh huh. 
All right. All right. Well, I don't have, have too much to add there. It seems like a, a, a interesting situation considering how much people uh, dislike Scooter Braun. But speaking of someone that really dislikes Scooter Braun, Taylor Swift. Sure does. Benny, we, we, we've been talking about her all summer. It's been the summer Please. of Taylor sure filling is. stadiums. Um, but anyone who couldn't get tickets for the Ta- Taylor Swift Errors Tour, the record-breaking stadium tour, turns out they won't be missing out after all. A film uh, rendered... The Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour will be hitting movie theaters on October 13th. It's coming to AMC. It's coming to your Regal Cinemas. It's coming to your Cinemarks. At AMC, apparently they're giving it the Barbie treatment. It's going to be playing at least four times a day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on, on that weekend. Uh, Taylor. First, I, I, I got to ask you here, because uh, we don't talk enough on this pod about the concert film. What makes, in your opinion, a good concert film? Hmm. Great question. Great question. To me, I think the thing I've always been attracted to the most is like, is the foreplay, (laughs) you know, because it's like the music I know. And, you know, you've seen live videos and like live concert footage is not something that's like you're used to it. You know, some are very good at it. Some are not as good, but the the stuff I guess that always really grabs me is like, how are they getting ready? What do they look like back there? What does it look like back there? Like, give me the, give me the backstage pass yeah. that I don't get to have, you know, like, and uh, yeah, I think that's the thing that really would. And especially with this, like the, even I'm fascinated by the relationship between like Taylor and her dancers and her staff, her management, the people like, does, is she the type of artist that actually knows someone doing light rigging or not? You know, there's, there's a big difference in artists there, you know? And like, I'd be curious to know that part of Taylor Swift and what she's presenting. So, and as usual, I mean, savvy, yeah, savvy tours over, you know, imagine how much more this is pulling in. Yeah. Jeez, Scooter Braun, fool. I know. Could have been taking 15% off this dog. <laughs> and it's going to be having a theatrical release, which is, you know, that's more money coming in. See, here, here, here's why this is a, a genius thing for Taylor. You know, last year when I was at TIFF, she was also at TIFF. She's trying to move into the Hollywood space. What better way to prove you're a, quote, bankable director than putting this out there and yeah. if, if this makes a lot of, of money listen I'm, I'm not gonna say it's gonna make barbie money though it could make barbie money but she's she getting a she production wants. deal yeah. come on like no but like taylor swift has an idea yeah, yeah. someone's fucking bankrolling it yeah, she could be, that's the upside to being taylor swift yeah. does she have to suck the metaphorical dick of like universal no. studios no it's yeah. <laughs> like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna fund it i'm gonna own it She's probably going to have a production company soon, you know? If LeBron can do it, Taylor Swift can do it. You say that. (laughs) See, this is the part for those of you Benny's trolling me right now so hard, and I'm not going to take the bait. I'm not going to take the bait. But do you think something like this could top Barbie, though? Um, No, probably not. Maybe. I don't know. It would be kind of unprecedented. Really sad. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I mean, I feel like. You know, Barbie might have a wider breadth of audience than people who are. But, you know, based on ticket sales, I could be all wrong. You know, yeah. so this could be huge. It, it, it's one of those things. It's hard to gauge, you know. 
It's hard to gauge. That's right. All right. Well, speaking of something else that's hard to gauge, and you know, we talk a lot about festivals, we talk a lot, a lot about lineups and, and potential everything. Benny, do you remember Firefest? Oh, too well. Oh, too man. Well. well, thank God you guys did not get caught up in it because I feel like that could have been a time where, you know, this guy, Billy McFarlane, could have hit up you guys and been like, hey, do you want to come down to the Bahamas? <laughs> um, anyway, he's trying to do Firefest again, and yeah. apparently he sold. 100 tickets to our already uh, pre-sales last Friday that happened. And he's talking about how he sold out. Now, I don't think there's anybody that sold and put together more shows than you right here. So when you put together 100 shows or ha- when you put out 100 tickets for a show like this, what are you trying to gauge? Is this him trying to get the headlines or is this thing maybe falsely for real? I Listen, I, I like... Based on historical precedence here, I think everything that comes out of this person's mouth has to be considered bullshit (laughs) until it's proven otherwise. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, fool me once. (laughs) Like, like, you know, and some people are that stupid or their attention spans are that short or they weren't around for when that happened and didn't care. I mean, someone who was 15 at the time of the first Firefest is... It could be an early 20s party person now and just is like, oh, cool. This sounds nice and just doesn't really know. Um, as far as the hundred tickets, I mean, that's like nothing. Yeah. Obviously, it's to the point where, like, to me, this could easily be like we sold a hundred tickets to ourselves just so we could have a press release, you know, and just so we can start to put out the thing that this is a real thing again. This is what when I read this story, there was one thing that that stuck out to me. It's just like the absolute like egotistical pomposity white boy shit (laughs) that this dude is on. Like the idea, like to me, like his approach to doing this, how quick and all that just means like, it's like there's this personal fucking big dick competition against himself to like look a certain way and be a certain way no humility whatsoever like not even recognizing the fact that you just ripped so many fucking people off and like shredded an island ripped off employees like like this wasn't like some fun we like to sugarcoat stuff like this is fun remember there is like people on the ground spending their livelihoods setting this fucking thing up tearing it down ruining the place they live for nothing for one person's fucking bravado and ego and if that's what's repeating itself here well he and this thing can go fuck itself yeah and you know the fact that he committed fraud it's like why are you trying to do this like i i I don't know if if there was like you know i mean he probably knows people that were able to like oh i'm just gonna slap it with a a misdemeanor and you can go on on your way but it just it's just insane to try this again actually and in saying that, like, you could go to jail for 10 years for, like, selling $20 worth of weed. Yeah. And this guy's already, like, back out doing the same exact fucking thing he just got in trouble for. You know, priorities. Not not a good uh, story for the Irish surname, but that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> uh, okay. You're, you're clear. You're yeah, clear. hopefully. Hopefully. For now. No, just kidding. All right, next story, uh, and this is a bit of, of good news for anybody that's creative. Last week, a federal judge in Washington, D.C., 
ruled that artwork generated by artificial intelligence is not eligible for copyright because it, quote, lacks human involvement, reaffirming a March decision uh, that the U.S. Copyright Office laid down. This in the midst of, you know, the continued WGA and sag after strike that we've been talking about, where these Hollywood studios seem to be intent on using the idea of AI uh, to try to scare workers into doing a deal that better works for them. Um, with AI work not being able to be copyrighted, that makes it pretty not valuable, right? Because it's like, then anybody can do it. You don't have ownership. And then you could, I don't know, like you could make a AI movie and not be able to monetize as much as you would if you held the copyright. Am I off base here? No, you're not. And I also think it's like the first thing that popped in my head when I read this is the slippery slope this kind of leads you to because from all my understanding of ai what it's making is a collective pool of actual artists so i think the trick to find out here and what we need to hold these companies accountable for we're we're going like straight to d here like like the ai's painting is like steps down the line of when someone should be compensated. We have to figure out a way to get the entry into the AI compensated. If your work is being seen by the robot, being entered into the mainframe of overall intelligence, which then creates this piece, don't you deserve a cut of that? And that's where I think we need to start like turning this argument over a little bit and getting it like earlier on, like we sold all of our information. We sold all of our shit. We pasted it on the fucking internet for them to have. Every artist worth their salt in the last like 20 years has not only been putting up every work they've made, they've been putting up their sketches and the things that made them get to that work that is all being pulled into this intelligence. So it's like, it's already using us. It is us, you know? So mm. I think the trick is we got to go to the front of it and start breaking down this one one hundred millionth of a percentage that you took of my shit that made this shit. And like, why aren't these companies ever going to be held accountable in that way? Mm. So you're talking like creative reparations. I mean, <laughs> or at least like this is new. Yeah, This is still new. Yeah, yeah. So I do think like there's a chance to get ahead of this. The problem is the people making art who would be able to make some money, like doing it the way I'm saying to do it yeah. would slow this down to a fucking snail's pace. Yeah. And that's the reason it would never happen is because yeah. the people controlling these reels and stuff have moved way past that already. Yeah. But that's what actually should happen. So, um, and the, the, the other thing that I'm interested in the whole AI conversation, it's like, where does this draw the line? Because like, say, say if you're making a, a film or a record there, there's a lot of, you know, different softwares that can make the production elements faster, whether it's like, oh, like, like something like, uh, renders faster or, or you can cut something faster where, so if any of that touches it, does, does that mean you can't copyright it? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of confused as where we're going to draw the line here. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, and even like, uh, you've heard a lot of songs on the radio 
Interpolation, yeah. Back Not even interpolation. <laughs> I mean, these programs now, you can do a great vocal track, right? Put it mm -hmm. into your computer and press a button and say, what do you think should be here for drums? Hmm. And it creates a drum track for you. Yeah. And that basic version of the drum track has definitely made its way all the way to the radio. Yeah. 100%, you know? So, yeah, you're right. Like, this is... We've we've been dancing with the devil, you know, and now we're uh, we're looking into its eyes and we don't like what we see. But, yeah, we've been we've been using this for a long fucking time. It's true. Uh, well, ho hopefully we figure a, a way to get our ourselves out of this. But uh, Benny, somebody who's trying to figure out a way to get themselves out. This is a fun story. As as we hit the point of the tune up where, you know, I feel like people are like, you know, Now's my time to take the bathroom break. Let's talk about a lady that's suing Italy because she tripped over a bunch of gabagool out of Italy in Boston. Um, I wish I had the video for this. I've tracked. Wait, I've tried tripped to... or slipped? She she tripped she and tripped slipped. over a pile of gabagool. Didn't yeah. slip on a gabagool. Apparently, there was just what. The way that she tries to portray is there was a slice of gabagool. She walked over it like it's a banana peel, and she had had her entire moment here. Uh, more of these lawsuits, please. I mean, how? All right, let's let's go back before I make fun of this. Yeah, because I did have my lesson when that that lady burnt her crotch at McDonald's, and I made fun of her for like ten years. She actually deserved her money. So, how bad did this lady get hurt? All right. So the, the woman fractured her left ankle during a trip with her husband to Italy in Boston. They were tourists. Blame, blaming it, yes, blaming it on the piece of on the piece of, on the gabagool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a big break. Fractured the ankle. It, what is she looking for here for compensation? Medical or more? Um, it seems to be that she is so so. Th th this is funny. So she was going. She was in the food samples area when she slipped on the prosciutto. Um, the, this according to the lawsuit. <laughs> she slipped on the prosciutto. She, she on the That's prosciutto. where I can tell you're from New Jersey, real fast. <laughs> so, oh um, god, it, it it seems like she wants financial, which obviously. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I would love to know how the piece of prosciutto got there because, you know, there's no way. It was, it was definitely some dingus who just dropped their prosciutto. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. like some error of the store. Yeah, I wonder where this goes. I mean, um, I want to I want to call it hogwash, but also like, you know, I'm like, Italy can afford to like pay for this lady's yeah. ankle. Like, I don't care either. But just the simple fact that this headline is Italy, you know, being sued for slipping on prosciutto is it's fucking funny. My fear is that this goes like, you know, that because of this lawsuit, people aren't going to want the chance that food falls on the floor and we lose the free samples at your Costco's, at your Italy's from from the highest. Oh, food yeah. The this, oh, man. So you think this is fucking with my cheese at Whole Foods? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. 100%. All right. Then don't give her a dime. <laughs> Uh, Get we can out be of here! So Throw the case out. <laughs> Give, keep giving me free cheese. Yeah. Oh. All right. I'm well, glad I. You know, it's good. It's good. I was feeling a little like flip floppy about that one. Yeah. I'm glad I have a position now. <laughs> well, Benny, do you have a position on the Loch Ness monster? And I, and I promise this is our last zany story of, of the day. Oh, I love uh, zany. Mystery hunters are converging on the Scottish Lake on Saturday, this upcoming mm -hmm, Saturday. So mm -hmm. if you're in Scotland, get on out there get uh, out. to try to look for signs of the Loch Ness monster. 
Um, this event is put on by the Loch Ness Center, and it's, quote, uh, they want to inspire a new generation of Loch Ness enthusiasts. So uh-huh. my entire thing about this is the Loch Ness Center, like they're trying to find this evidence. They're seeing that the TikTok generation has lost excitement about the Loch Ness Monster, and you they're trying so? to do a bit of a fun run here. Like well, they're trying yeah. to get people inspired to Nessie marketing, this, which is why Loch Ness Monster not real. Oh, I, of course it's not real. So, but as someone who's raising small kids right now, I got to say, I get a lot of bandwidth out of the Loch Ness Monster, Yeti, Bigfoot, Jersey Devil, Chupacabra conversation. They're unicorns. They're fantasy. They're these like fun, mythical things. I remember I used to commute to my with my father out to a school in uh Phillipsburg and apparently in one of the mountains there there was a unicorn that lived mm. like you know I love how this stuff goes so as far as that I love the fantastical use of imagination and I do think one thing about all of these creatures yeah and I've done a little research on the Jersey Devil I've read a couple books at least to know that it's the Leeds Devil I know the story and I do think these animals existed at some point. Mm -hmm. I think they were just these like freakish animals who lived a really long time, probably isolated and got super weird and large looking and freaked out some locals early on. And then the tales start and they begin. And uh, so do I think Loch Ness Monster is real? You know what? We got to keep it going. Sure. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yes, I do. The same way I think the fucking Easter Bunny and yeah. Santa and all of it is real. Yeah. No, I don't think it's fucking real, but it's great. Yeah. yeah. And it sparks the imagination and it goes into the unknown. It's also going to get like, I don't know, a thousand people off their fucking uh, TV sets and onto a boat in a lake in the middle of Scotland, which who <laughs> knows what it'll open up for people. Yeah. So I love shit like this. Nessie lives. <laughs> See, Here's here here's my thing with this whole thing. I think you know. So I I I don't know if you saw this week that the governor of New Jersey was, had to do a whole press conference declaring that Central Jersey is real again. Who, yeah 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 yeah. Huh. No like official declaration. Oh officially official. North okay. New Jersey. Yeah yeah yeah. Okay because okay. We need unless they're gonna get I don't know what's it in Scotland the prime minister out there declaring Nessie Ness, Ness, real. We need to really blow this out and not just like oh. Pokemon Go for Scottish kids. You need to knight Nessie somehow. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Sir Nessie. <laughs> I mean, listen, I take this to the point when we, when I take my family to the shore and drive through some parts of the Pine Barrens and stuff, like we look for like Jersey Devil poop. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, look for like steaming piles because that's how you know he was here and stuff, you know? It's fun. Let's have some fun. Anyone, oh. anyone who sits there and steadfastly goes, these things are not real. Ugh. Fuck that person. <laughs> Come on. Lighten up. Oh, uh, well, speaking of somebody who's actually not real, let's talk about Skip Bayless. Edwards? Yeah, oh. yeah. No, 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 no. We're gonna <laughs> talk a little bit about because I think I think Skip Bayless is is biting on our territory because his his new lineup for Undisputed came out and Uh-oh. guess who one of the panelists is? No, he didn't get a musician, did he? Lil Wayne. No, 
So I like Lil Wayne. Yeah, but, yeah. He seems cool. You know, he he seems he they got the whole thing going. But what do you make of musicians talking sports in mainstream media? Can't believe it. What do they know? <laughs> you know, here here's the thing: is that I listen to a lot of podcasts and. You know, we're in that funky part of the off season where I'm listening to like locked on nets, <laughs> listening to 30 minutes of like Cam Thomas coverage, you know, like we're yeah. going deep. And none of these fucking people played. You know what I mean? And they're all considered analysts just because they're fucking nerdy white guys who sit in their computer all day. I gotta tell you, I've spent a lot of time in my computer too. <laughs> you know? So I think I know at least as much as them. Yeah. If you're asking me for like JJ Reddick, Draymond Green kind of coverage, yeah. hands off. Didn't play the game. You guys tell me. Yeah. But you want to talk fucking straight analytics and numbers and yeah. what you see and what you make of it? Sure. I think my voice is uh as crucial as anyone's and Lil Wayne's as well. Let me be honest. You're watching way more like basketball than Lil Wayne is to go on. <laughs> oh, on the dude, show. Yeah. like 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 I'm, I'm saying, you. I dude, I, I I'm watching first day of summer league, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I had to see Chet Holmgren work. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know, and I text Howard Beck, friend of the show, Howard Beck, and his first reaction isn't like, "Oh yeah, Chet looks good." It's like, "Why are you watching the first day of summer league?" Yeah. You're a drummer. <laughs> you shouldn't be doing this. You know what? So I'm putting my homework in, you know? I'll tell you what, for the Rockets against your Nets, Daryl Morcel, my Marquette guy, looked pretty good. He Listen, pretty if you if you wanted a heel to go against Skip Bayless, <laughs> should have been me. Oh that my guy, gosh. That guy angers me. I oh oh, oh here we go. Here, here we go. It's, it's Friday. It's Friday. Time for the weed whacker. <laughs> Time for the weed whacker. And, you know, Team right. USA... Let me close put, the door. Let me close the door. Okay. Daddy, keep talking. Let me set this up. Team USA put the weed whacker on Montenegro, but not really. So Team USA uh, struggled a bit on Friday morning as they approached uh, the next round in the FIBA World Cup. Uh, Team USA struggled, but they ended up beating Nikola Vucevic's Montenegro. 85 to 73 to remain undefeated at the World Cup. Anthony Edwards was scoreless in the first half, but he made up for it with 17 points in the second half. Uh, came uh, the, the they were able to close it out through strong performances from Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, and Austin Reeves. Uh, I mentioned Edwards, New also. King of the Philippines. I Austin know Reeves. they they loved him. I was a little bit sad that they were that how much they cheered for Austin Reeves and Walker Kessler. They thought Walker Kessler was like, like the the biggest scrub. It's like, dude, like he's not bad. Anyway, um, Halliburton uh, ended ended it with uh, ten points, six assists, two steals. Edwards had seventeen, as I mentioned. Uh, the the victory puts Team USA in very strong position to advance to the World Cup quarterfinals, but they're going to have to get better because Montenegro's size was the big difference here. Uh, they led at, at halftime, uh, so America has to figure out their size issue because they brought. A lot of guards, a lot of scoring uh, opportunity. But when it comes to these teams, these uh, these Baltic countries, if you will, to have the size, uh, they they need some answers. Yeah, yeah, no, they can beat you up, and I don't think U.S. has had the real test that uh, that they can see there. I mean, the one thing that goes the other way is like, yes, they beat you up, bigs. But I mean, I think the U.S. is bringing the best guard play. Yeah 
to this championship by like a considerable amount, you know? Yeah. So, so I do still feel the advantage there, especially as you get to the doldrums of the game into the third and fourth quarter still bode pretty well for the U S and also, as you said, got our secret weapon Von Drago, <laughs> Walker Kessler sitting on the bench, ready to, you know, cause anytime he comes in, it's blocking shots, getting yeah. rebounds, catching lobs, like guy knows what he's doing. So, um, you know, you might see more of him, but I, I don't think the the alternate pieces of a team like Montenegro is really going to shake the U.S. very much. And I don't think the U.S. has hit the the teams that are going to give them a hard time quite yeah. yet. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking more to your Slovenia. uh, Canada's, Slovenia's, Canada. Australia's to to really give the the U.S. team a hard time. I was, you know, this international basketball is always so pesky because France is out. You out. Know, Latvia. I know. Chris Stapps Porzingis less. I know. Latvia took out France. But, you Listen, know. It, Davis Bertans, you know. <laughs> do we talk enough about yeah. Davis Bertans? Oh, we do I, not. I we do not talk do. about enough about no. the Washington Wizards. But just, just watching this, you know, I, I've been impressed with Anthony Edwards oh. trying to take that next Beast. step to be the guy. Paolo Bancaro on this team looks like a guy who he's not ready to be the guy every single game, but he can no. show you, you know, flashes got there. He's got um, a lot. And just Jalen Brunson just built for international basketball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and, I, and it's the the balance going from, you know, Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart in the first unit and then getting to, to Reeves and Halliburton and more Ingram now in the second unit, using him as a playmaker. I think, you know, that's one thing also understated in this is like you have a coaching staff of Steve Kerr, Eric Spolstra, um, who else is on there? There's a couple other good, good coaches oh my on, God, that, yeah, on that squad. Yeah. So, you know, like they're really figuring it out to what they have, unlocking the best out of these guys and shit. Oh, I love, I, I love the fact that besides Rondé Hollis Jefferson, who <laughs> has all of a sudden put himself back on the map, which I love, uh, former net 24. What's up? Um, you know, one of the funniest things about this is like Anthony Edwards is turning himself in. He's making me like a Wolves believer. Yeah. You know, like I'm sitting here watching this going like, well, they got a chance, you know, and I'm starting to look <laughs> at the roster and and, you know, sometimes like there is historical precedence. I know it's like the fourth time I've said that this podcast, <laughs> but there is historical precedence for guys breaking out in these FIBA things. And I think Durant was one of them. So, mm. um yeah, I think uh, we might be really be seeing the coming out party for Anthony Edwards, who like it's just such a delight, right? No. To watch play and to listen talk and like you know, uh, there was a question I heard on a podcast the other day. There was a question he was asked where he couldn't understand exactly what they were saying. It was a Spanish reporter, and he's just like, "Listen, man, it's simple. I just get stops and I score the basketball." And I'm like, oh, I love Anthony Edwards. It's all it is. It's all it is, baby. Come on. Keep it and I, I, I love the fact, because what was the thing that we were talking about with the John Moran thing? Like, who's going to be the face of the league? That's I am right. more than happy for Anthony Edwards to be the face. Him, him the and crown. Paolo Bancaro, those two yeah. together, come on. Good guys for the crown. Good guys for so, the crown. That's um, it. You know, and, and it's a thing that we've been talking a lot about USA basketball. Um, 
you know, it being more of a process year to year, a more consistent national team building upon this Olympics next year. Maybe you had one or two bigger stars, but you keep this core. That's right. how the other nations have done it. Yeah. And, you know, the U.S. can't just ha- throw a dream team in there anymore. The rest of the world's too good. So love, love what I'm seeing. From yeah, me. yeah. They've really found that balance of uh, young superstar. Yeah. You know, like like you got to get those guys on the precipice. And that those are the ones that you can ride for a few years. So, yeah. Do you want to talk a little Ronald Acuna Jr. here? Oh, please. He had a Thursday night. 30, 60. <laughs> good, good gracious. And not to mention that he got married in the morning. So he gets what married. He goes for 30, 60. Love what him baseball, if you day. will. Here, Here's as, as, as somebody who has you know recently made a big life thing. Um, I, I, I feel like. The girlfriend would be very, or a fiance. Wow, I'm gonna get in trouble for that one. Um, would would get really mad if I was like, "Hey, sweetie, I got a game at night. Can we get married on a Monday morning?" <laughs> I get you're in LA, and I get you can get married in Malibu, but man, going from the wedding in the morning. I mean, granted, he's making a lot of money, but what do you make of having the wedding in the morning, game at night? Listen, we can never judge people's personal lives, right? Yeah. And this could have been done for a very spe- like. Like we never give anyone the benefit of the doubt and go, oh, you know what? Like maybe somebody's like ninety-seven-year-old, like great grandmother lives in Los Angeles, and they really needed to do it there because, like, that's the only way Granny could make it. Yeah. You know, that's sweet, isn't it? Yeah. So maybe it was that. <laughs> I hope. I hope. I hope so too. <laughs> um, I'd like to talk more about Acuna's please. accomplishments, please, please because. Like right now we're sitting, you know, he's got about 25 games to go here and he's sitting at 180 hits, 120 runs, 31 doubles, 30 home runs. He's even up to 70 walks. He's got 420 OBP and 62 stolen bases, which means he can very realistically have kind of like a 35-70 season, let mm. alone 30-60. Um, it's an unprecedented year. It's amazing. Uh, the one thing I'm finding even more remarkable about it is that we talked two weeks ago about this NL MVP being a two horse race between Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna. And then out of nowhere, Mookie Betts has like the best month of yeah. his life. And he's the, the odds on favorite to steal the MVP from Acuna now, I think. Mm-hmm. And Freddie Freeman sitting there with like a 345 average and like 50 doubles. So really, uh, this is like such a great. One of the best uh, MVP races I've seen in ages, especially with the AL being so boring. The fact that it's just like Otani or bust and no one's coming anywhere near him. Um, The one thing I think should be considered a little about the steals is that, you know, I've been a baseball stat nerd since I was a little fucking kid. And I gave up like, like, like the post ricky henderson vince coleman era of baseball there was a lull there where i really gave up on anyone getting near these kinds of steel numbers again i was like the game has changed you know it's like a you know basketball players not shooting threes and stuff like that it's just like the game changed people aren't stealing anymore the catchers got too good the pitchers got too good it's too hard and i started getting used to this you know uh 38 steals leads the league, you know, 36 steals leads the league. And then 
the MLB as part of their changes this year adds a little bit to the base size and stolen base numbers are way up. I mean, we already have uh, currently uh, uh, Ruiz has 53 steals and Carroll has 41. So, I mean, we already have three guys over 40 and then we have three more over 35 and two more over 30. So currently there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people over 30 stolen bases. Let me go even just back to last season where the leader in the league was John Bertie <laughs> with 41 steals. Jorge Mateo second with 35. There was one, two, three, four, five, six players with over 30 steals last year. We still had 25 games to go. There's already eight. And there's guys who are eclipsing 50 and 60. So clearly we have to put some kind of a marker here in the historical sense with stolen bases, because this really greatly increased the number. It obviously had a big impact if you just go from A to B in these two years. So they are inflated numbers in that way. And I don't know how much, if, if it's really like a tic-tac between uh, Acuna and Betts and Freeman for, for the MVP award, I do wonder if that's going to hurt them a little bit. Yeah, 100%. Well, well, let's run through some of these top five teams, shall we? It's officially September, which means the postseason is right around the corner. Uh, let's let's talk about these Braves for a sec. Uh, you know, high and fly above the rest of, of the league still. Uh, plus 245 run differential. They're not quite the 98 Braves, but gosh darn, they are close. Um, you know, they, they have no signs of, of slowing up, um, but... Uh, as you mentioned, and we'll get to the Dodgers in just a, a little bit. Uh, what do the Braves have to do down the stretch to uh, keep themselves in position to be one of the favorites to get to the fall classic? Well, I mean, I think last night was a big one, which was, you know, this series they have going right now with the Dodgers uh, is kind of, to me, the Dodgers last chance to, you know, take that like number one seed from Atlanta. Yeah. Atlanta won a very tough game last night, eight and seven. It took the first game of the series. So now Atlanta's at 88 wins. Dodgers are at 83, and it's looking a little harder to eclipse. But no, I think they're the cream of the crop this year, especially, um, you know, with the Dodgers pitching the way it is and, and a little, little more tenuous than what the Braves have. Uh, Baltimore, you know, like when we're getting to the, you know, the whole shebang, they're, they're such a fun team, but there's, such little historical precedents uh, <laughs> recently to, you know, to, you know, not a lot of track record in your, uh, you know, Seattle's and Minnesota and Baltimore. Great, you know, nice young teams and fun to watch, but hard to see them getting all the way through now. But, you know, Houston's still a juggernaut, still sitting there, still has one of the best lineups and staffs in baseball. So I think they're a big one. And then, you know, there's a couple sleeper teams here in the, in the NL, I, you know, I hate to do it, but this Philly team is really good. You know, they, they, they really have one of the most stacked lineups in baseball. Now that Turner has turned it around. I mean, when you're going through Kyle Schwarber, Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, Castellanos, Alec Bohm, you know, like there's not a gap in this lineup and they have really strong front end starting pitching, you know, like, uh, Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler both are not guys who are going to like, you know, b blow you away with AC stuff like as much as some of these guys. But they're two of the most solid guys in baseball at this point, as far as going out and giving you a chance on any given night. 
So I think they're kind of a sleeper team. Cubs a little bit of a sleeper team. Um, yeah, that's the way I'm seeing it now. But but I'd say like, you know, but Tampa Bay surprises us. There's there's yeah. a lot of surprise teams like sneaking around this year. And you know, we've seen a lot of teams go ahead and win, you know, a hundred plus games in the regular season and boof it in the playoffs too. Baseball is a long season, and uh, a lot can happen. You know. Cubs, one of those teams that a few years ago, you know, they had had their championship team kind of blew it up to try to prepare for a season like this next season. Uh, you know, sticking with the mold of, of what you should do if you're uh, struggling in what you think is a championship window. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it's it, they're a good example right now of, you know, holding on to some prospects that you br- really believe in for a long time and then supplementing in other ways, you know. Uh, this Cody Bellinger reclamation project yeah. is going to be extremely expensive for them if they decide to keep him too. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But they've made a lot of a lot of really smart moves. They're just so young. Mm. That's where it's hard to see. You know, when your when your best players are at the age the Cubs are, it's hard to see them pull around right now. So September first, let's mark it down. What's your World Series prediction? I mean, I'm not betting against the Braves right now. Yeah, just because I can't. And it's like the most boring, boring thing in the world, but I think it might be Braves Astros as as much as I don't want to see it. No birds, no birds. No, I don't see. I, you know, that pitching staff for Baltimore is, 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 I have a feeling might get chunked down in the playoffs a little bit. Bautista just went down and he was a big part of that, that whole, uh, back end relief, you know, doing so well this year. So now, I mean, that that's the problem I'm seeing with baseball right now is that I love a lot of these young teams that are about to win their divisions and get through, but some of the old dogs are still so good that I have a hard time seeing it being anybody but the Braves, Dodgers, Astros, you know, kind of, and even the Rays. Hmm. I'm going to be really interested to see what postseason baseball looks like this year because for the past few years, it, it's been that like game management. Your starter goes for maybe five, and then it's like real bull, bullpen ball. It doesn't feel like that's kind of the way, especially with like, you know, like the way that uh, like the pitch clock and all these new rule changes have come in. It feels like po- postseason baseball this year is going to be less the GM trying to manage through like an intermediary and, and more kind of what we used to see. I can see that. And I think some of that too is just some of these teams we're talking about do have solid, I can throw 110 pitches any night front end starters, you know, and that's a big part of it. Um, You know, even Tampa, like, you know, a team that's famous for doing that. Oh, we finally have Tyler Glass now, like really hurling now. Like we're not going to take him out before six innings if he is. So you know, a lot of it was the lack of front end starting too, which seems a little bit better this year than it has yeah. been in the past. All right. Well, baseball postseason coming up. College football started. Sad. Last We're not week. talking about the Yanks. I not know. at all. I'm sorry. Oh, it's so oh, sad. But sorry. hey, I guess know, we got some Anthony Volpe in, in the top. Yeah, we got some Volpe. The, 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 they sound like they're going to be more of a hot stove conversation yeah. this year. So, uh, Jack Kerry, come on through when we get to the hot stove. We'll get him. We'll get him. All right. We'll, get him. well, the Atlantic Coast Conference, they are expanding from their eastern roots in a complete conference realignment mess around uh the acc is adding stanford cal and smu shout out to the pony express death penalty years ago 
bought their way back in the era where cash is king, uh, heading to the ACC. Stanford and Cal keeping it, it together. Uh, it will bring the league to 18 members. Um, but really, at, at what point, like, it, these aren't academic institutions anymore. This is semi-professional football, yeah. really taken away from the pageantry and all of this of, of what it means. Uh, you know, this is great for the football. Uh, basketball doesn't really even out, though. SMU's been mm-hmm. been decent. Um, but man, like your women's soccer and women's softball going to have to for women's soccer. This is going to be great. You're going to have Stanford, Notre Dame, North Carolina. A lot of right. U S women's national team comes from that. But outside of that, there's not too much upside yet. And listen, you know, I don't mean to be someone who's too glued to words here, but the same issue we had, I'm talking last week about the big 10, Yeah, you know, and just the simple phrasing here. We're adding Stanford and Cal to the Atlantic Coastal <laughs> Conference. The fuck are we doing here, man? Like seriously, <laughs> it's I, I don't get. Like this is just the dumbest shit. Yeah. Like somehow we just allow the dumbest shit without calling out the simple fact of the dumbest shit. Does this make any fucking sense to you? There is a reason that these teams were grouped together regionally at one point. Yeah. There is an actual reason, you know, and like. The fact that you just completely abandoned this idea, like, oh my god, it's it has it's just gone too far, like it really has. And I'm getting to that point where, like, I'm just imagining these kids. Yes, I yes, I go to college and I play sports. I'm on a the running team or something, and now I'm spending four days flying to California to have like one meet when I'm like just kind of like a random like college athlete like it just doesn't doesn't add up man and you know what this is going to turn into it's it's like they're going to make these decisions thinking on the top end and you know who's going to suffer or all the lower end teams who don't make a lot of money getting cut from college rosters and there being less and less availability of college sports for more people so i don't like it i don't like it Especially uh, this one in particular, and the irony here, Stanford, Cal, two pretty liberal schools that are big in their students championing, you know, like trying to slow down global warming and stuff like that. And meanwhile, they're going to be fueling up the jets. (laughs) No, no shit, man. No shit. That's a good point. That's something you don't even think about. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to... uh, endowments and things like that the environment can go fuck itself right my interest in college football has never been it's just not it's just not interesting if i want to watch professional football there's a great league that happens on sundays you know (laughs) if you take out the pageantry if you take out i mean thank god like stanford and cal get to stay together but these are games that mean something it's and and it's how these schools keep the fabric of you know, you galvanize. I know when I, I went to Marquette and we, and it's like Wisconsin week. You're like, oh, like there's like events. You can get excited about yeah. it. No one's going to get excited about Wake Forest SMU. Like and these colleges already have a problem with kids not wanting to go to the game because they have other ways to like keep their interest. And we're talking football games and like basketball games, stuff that is the reason why people used to go to these schools. Yeah. No one's going to go for like a Tuesday SMU wake forest like basketball game i mean i mean maybe but well i think the thing you you talked about is like what is the interest in college sports and i think a lot of the interest 
for a number of years is these regional battles. You know, like, did I lose interest in Rutgers to a point when we stopped playing Seton Hall? When we stopped playing, like, you know, these old school things that actually, like, mean something to people around here, you know? Where you can be in an office and one person went to Rutgers and one went to Seton Hall. And it's like, uh uh-oh, Duck's going to be pissed tomorrow. (laughs) Like, there's real shit here. And it develops over a a long period of time. And that's the reason it means something to people. You know, so, like, I think they're really dancing with the devil in that way, too. Like, culturally, you're actually, like, pulling the reason people care. Because, as you said, I'm more of a pro sports kind of guy. If I'm going to take my time to watch this entertainment product, I'd like to watch the best people in the world do it in one place. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I prefer the (laughs) mixtape. And, you know, like, and a lot of this takes away, I think, a fan like me who's not deeply invested in college sports. And, And the only investment I did have was in these rivalries and leagues that have all been taken away from me. So... I, I do think they're they're dancing in a weird way with probably fans like me the most. And in a way, like all sports are, are kind of doing this. It, it's just less obvious, you know, because, you know, with how how TV contracts have impacted everything. Like it's like the reason why, you know, in, in, if to go back to baseball, why we used to have, OK, like. AL teams played AL teams and NL, like there was like exactly. like the, the separation there. Then Apple comes in with like the big TV money, ESPN comes But now you're starting to see like a ESPN can't keep up with all of it because now like a company like Disney can't go head to head with a Apple like a company like right. Apple, and it just all eats itself. And eventually, I'm wondering what's going to be left of of sports in like ten years. I'm not sure, you know, and and that's and you're right. Like as just a consumer of the product. Like I caught one of those Apple TV Friday nights for baseball. Yeah. Coverage was great. Yeah. It looked great. It was smooth. It was like, it was like, and I, you're right. Like, I don't think these old companies are going to be able to compete once like Amazon and Apple yeah. and the, you know, these, these monoliths really start putting their feet down and trying to carve the space. Space is going to be theirs. Yeah. Like, and the moment that Jeff Bezos pays Charles Barkley and the inside the NBA crew, it's over. He's in. It's over. He's in. <laughs> you know, Charles will work for anyone. Charles yeah. works for a paycheck, baby. He doesn't work for anyone. I That's what it. I love about Charles. I love it. Well, we work for a paycheck here too, I guess. And if you want to hit us up, we are at the TuneUp HQ on all the social platforms. Uh, be sure to email us at the uh, the TuneUp Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, hit us up all over there. Uh, like I said, TuneUp HQ, all the social platforms. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss a thing. Uh, if you want to follow the big man on Instagram, he is at Benny Horowitz. I am at Danny Gallagher. Benny, you got anything else? Yeah, man. Love people. Fuck Firefest. <laughs> the show has ended. Go in peace. You've been listening to and watching the tune. Gross. <laughs> <laughs>